Okay, so you have um, your inserts in front of you. And if you've got a, a, a pen, it's going to be a very interactive, engaging sermon. So there's going to be some writing that you're going to have to do. I'm not going to force you. Just have, let's let the Spirit lead this morning. And at the very top, I just want to make one minor correction where it says, Hello, faith. By fear. It should be B-Y-E. B-Y-E. Just right up the, like the screen says. And you have notes on the other side for your life groups that are meeting this this week. Very excited to share this message with you. There's a lot of application here. It's, it's a very meaningful uh, sermon. You're, you're going to hear about one person, basically, on how his life has changed through faith. And uh, I'd like to read um, out of Mac, um, Acts 16, verses 20 through 34, and, and so just find your place. Gosh, it used to be a day where you could just read, read out of the Bible and everybody was with you. And it, there wasn't like a thousand translations. So, you know, when I read certain things, like I, I go to another translation, sure enough, there's, it's different. Um, but I'm, I'm this old-timer NASB guy, uh, New American Standard. Yes, yes, okay, New American Standard. I'm going to be reading out of this. It's a, it's a little, little bit wordy, but um, you'll, you'll follow it. It's all good. It's God's Word. It's living, breathing in our lives. And before I start, let me, let me pray. Lord, just thank you for a, a great day. It's wonderful because you created it like Roger had prayed, and we're in it. We're in it 24-7, and we know that you never forsake us. You never leave us. You're, you're working through us in a mighty way. You give us peace. You give us hope. You give us strength. And by faith, we believe what you've done on the cross for us and what you've done in terms of you coming alive, risen from the dead to give us new life. There's freeing power in this message. And I just thank you for your word, for the Holy Spirit. May you move mightily as these words are shared to challenge our hearts and our minds to do something differently, to do something that honors and glorifies you today and tomorrow as we go into the mission field. Lord, may it be less of me and more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, just out, I, I just do this out of respect for God's word. Let us stand, please. And be reading, starting at verse 20, Acts 16. And when they had brought them, that's Paul and Silas, by the way, to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner court and fastened their feet in the stocks." But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there came a great earthquake. 
so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer had been roused out of sleep, shouldn't be sleeping, and had seen the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. What a great story of truth, Lord. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So what, what is your fear? Think about it. What is your fear? Spiders, cats, dogs, fear to live, fear to die, closed rooms, crowded rooms, dark places. You know, maybe there's a fear of trust being broken in a relationship that you're experiencing. And maybe if we dig a little deeper, you might have a fear of losing a home, losing your job, losing a parent, losing a child. And what about those crazy situations where we battle with the enemy in our minds that just leave this inflicted damage and paralyze us? Like you see those little, those beetles on the sidewalk and they're on their back and their legs are just like barely moving. They're like, you know what I'm talking? They're just, they're they're paralyzed for some reason. And what about those situations where you just lose it? You lose control of the situation and you, you short circuit, and it's just it's, it's because you're out of control. You can't control the situation any longer. Anybody? Fears, being afraid, worries, anxiety, all that sort of stuff that just kind of floods us today. It's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely crazy. There's a phobia for just about everything, and all of us, all of us, I can almost guarantee it, have faced an unhealthy fear in our lives sometime or another, and we perhaps may be facing one at this moment. And it reminds us that our human condition needs some serious help. So in, on your insert, there's three words across your insert. Fear, faith, and freedom. Take your pencil, pen, just circle faith and circle freedom. And what what I'd like you to do is the first thing that comes to mind, a fear that you're facing right now, something that you may just lose control of and you're just like totally unsure. What's the first thing that comes to your mind about a fear that you're facing? And I want you to write that down. People are going, I don't, I don't have any fears. Praise the Lord. 
But there's something that creeps up every so often in your mind, in your heart. A situation may bring back a memory. Whatever it is, what's your fear? Write it down. The part about faith is how does your belief in God help you master that fear? What does it look like? What sort of scripture do you use or or prayers that you use or counsel from other Christians to help you master that fear? What does that look like? Write that down. And then lastly, the freedom piece is the outcome, the result, the blessing of God helping you taking that faith and dismantling that fear. What's, what's the blessing? What's the outcome look like to you? Now, to help you a little bit, I want to give you some personal testimony in my own life. I've got one in the past, and I've got one right now. I'll be very transparent with my church family. So, we all made bad choices in our life. We regret, we hate, and that often chains us up. And we often put on a facade or mask to kind of cover it up. We don't want people to really know who we really are. For a long time, that was me. That was my fear. My faith came alive when I read 2 Corinthians 5.17 that said, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things of the past are gone. Behold, new things have come. New faith, new hope, new love, new grace. And what's the freedom? I am no longer chained to my past. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The fear I'm facing now, I started my own business. And there are days where I'm going, I'm not making any money. What the heck? I mean, it's a little scary. It's, it's a little fear. And my, my wife is so good to remind me about Philippians 4.19 that says, And my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches found in Christ Jesus, that our needs will be met. And by faith, it dismantles the fear. And the beautiful freedom outcome is I can trust in the Lord for anything and I know he will take care of me. That's me. Now, I don't know if I've touched any, anybody's little emotional piece here, but seriously, think about it. Write it down, because you're, you're going to be just praying about this this week and having God help you master that fear. Today, I believe that you can claim your fearful life back. In Christ, we can approach God in in, the most intimate, confident, free way. Christ has made that possible. We no longer have to hide like Adam and Eve in the garden. That's a blessing. We can face our own walls of Jericho with a victorious faith shout. Those giants that roam around on that island of ours, I call it a freight island. They roam around. And every so often, you know, you know, you're afraid of that. 
and I'm just going to haunt you, they will leave. That Red Sea of unrest, God will provide a way. He will split that sea for you for safe journey. And that, that stormy tempest that you're, that you're on that causes so much turmoil and sleepless nights will cease and be at peace. The uncontrollable can be laid at rest by saying, hello, faith. Bye, fear. Hello, faith. Goodbye, fear. The saving grace of Christ can give you a new life, just like the jailer in this story. And all of us, when you think about it, have a connection with this man, some way or another, in terms of trembling in fear. We may not show it outwardly, but inwardly we do. And the idea is, is that we can stop that trembling with faith in Christ by hearing the message, believing the message, and then being baptized. By the way, that's the sequence of events that you find in all the conversion experiences in Acts. Hear, believe, and be baptized. Now, this is no surprise announcement, but we are having baptisms next week. How, how neat is that? Just happened to stumble on the scripture, and here's the jailer and his household being baptized. But think about that sequence. Hear, believe, and be baptized. Now, for those historians in the group, let's, let's talk about context. Where are we? What's happening? What makes this all, all take place? I appreciate Luke's writing He's very thorough. But we have Paul and Silas in, in the city, the Roman province of Philippi. This is Paul's second missionary journey. And this is the first European city to actually receive the gospel that we read in the book of Acts. And we have Lydia, we read about Lydia, a businesswoman who hears and believes and is baptized. And here we have Paul and Silas thrown into prison for disturbing the masses. They were Jewish troublemakers because Paul addressed and approached a servant girl, a fortune-telling servant girl that was making a lot of money for the, the, the pagan business people of that time. He calls the evil spirit out of her. And then the profiteers of paganism realize they no longer have any profit. They're losing money. So Paul and Silas are blamed by the masses of people. They are taken to the officials. The officials strip them down and whip them with rods and throw them, forcing them into jail. Now, being an in jail in a, in a Roman providence wasn't really a good thing. And the jailer who heads the prison is given the assignment to lock them up and don't let them escape. We're going to focus on the jailer this morning. That isolated, demanding profession where, you know, someone's got to do it. Right? You, Chuck, you're the jailer. You're going to do it. No, no, no. I don't, think, I don't know if these guys had a choice. <laughs> but 
But we can also assume that the jailer just might have heard that crazy servant fortune-telling girl out there proclaiming in the most annoying way that Paul and Silas were representatives of the most high God sharing this crazy, strange, new message. And the jailer had a critical message of making double precautions to make sure Paul and Silas would not leave and escape. So he takes them deep, deep into the inner prison, into a dungeon, dark, despair, dirty. They're bleeding. He puts them in stocks, wood stocks, feet spread out. They can't move. Oh, that's so assurance to my soul, the jailer says. I've got them. I'm so in control. I'm, I, I, you know, they're not, they are not leaving. Well, here he was in the business to lock up criminals, and I find it interesting that there's two ingredients here that Satan, our enemy, loves to deal with in our lives. That's darkness and control. And if you put those two together, it's like fodder to our enemy. It's like the bacteria that grows in those petri dishes that just festers and grows. Darkness, we live in darkness, and we like to have control. Wow, prime time ingredients for our enemy. So I want to fast forward as you kind of think through that in real time about where w- what we do every day at work. Perhaps some of you are just trying to control your destiny so bad at work. Maybe you have a production job and you have to produce things, whatever it might be, high standards. Maybe you're in an audit job where quality is like super important to to the very number. And that's all okay. Maybe you're in a service industry where you just have to really please the customer and the customer's always right. Right, Chuck? I don't mean to be picking on you today. I don't know why. He's just like, he's got smiling face, everything. Most customers are right. But maybe you're in sales where you have to achieve these high mountainous production like quotas that are literally impossible. But maybe what you're really doing is that you're so in control that you're trying to protect your reputation or trying to protect your ego or fearing that someone will really get to know who you are. And maybe you're having trust issues through all that. And for some strange reason, by you having control, that is the only way that you can handle it. You don't want one, 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 you don't want one leak out of the dam. It's just so, you're, you're just so controlling. And when you lose control... Everything goes crazy. It's like, it's like an unloosened spring or a broken rubber band. You, it, you just lose it. Now follow me. After Paul and Silas are sitting there in their stocks, they're singing praises to the Lord, they're praying to God, and the prisoners hear everything that's going on. What does God do to shake the prison house? Like, you know, from here, I hear this. Earthquake. There was an earthquake. 
Seriously, I've been in an earthquake. You've been in earthquakes. It's, it's, I mean, this one shook so hard, it opened up the gates, it loosened up the chains, the doors were open, and things are out of control. The prison will no longer hold those, those prisoners hostage anymore. The doors were open for Paul and Silas as well. They were free from an act of God. It doesn't compute very well in the jailer's head. The jailer is no longer in control. Think about this. I have the fear of losing prisoners. My career is now over, and I might as well take my life. Because taking my my life in this situation was probably, in their mind, the right outcome instead of having to, 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 to be involved with the shame and the dishonor and having my boss wind up killing me. It was Roman custom that if you let your prisoners escape, you had to face the same penalty that they did. So just to give you some idea why this jailer was losing it. And don't you find it interesting how God uses light? This is just a little side note. To illumine the darkness in verse 29, just as Christ shines light into our dark souls, there's a light that shines in a really dark, terrible place. And he realizes that the prisoners are still there. And Paul, out of kindness, winds up saving the jailer's wife, wife, wife twice. First time physically, now, and we're going to also read spiritually. So he shows kindness to the jailer, and Paul and Silas state that they're still in the prison. And after seeing all this happen, darkness, light, doors closed, doors open. Prisoners, like locked up, now they're free. And I, I have a very controlling nature about my job, and it's all falling apart. What is going on? And he asks that question. Guys, help me. What does it take? Save me. What must I do to be saved from all this? Because I, 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 I don't get it. So what is faith, what, how does faith grip this man? His profession, he realizes, is now over. My life is over. I just witnessed this earthquake that woke me up. Yes, I shouldn't have been sleeping. I no longer have control. I have no idea what the future holds for me. I have created, in a way, my own prison of darkness and control, dark chains, and my mind needs to be at peace. And here's the key component of this story. God uses the jailer's senses in terms of what he sees, what he sees in his heart by fear, that leads him to the question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas were ready. 
to share the love message of Christ, of what he did for mankind. Taking the sins of the world, just like we celebrated here, the sins of the world in his body, on the cross, and by his wounds, we have been healed. He was buried, and now he rises from the dead. The jailer never touched Jesus. He never saw Jesus. He never heard Jesus. But by faith, belief, here's the message, and by belief, as well as his household, he is going to master his fear. Wow. One little guy, one little jailer in the story. It's a great story. It's for, it's for all of us. And with faith, which means believing God to what is true, what he says is true, there comes transformation. So this jailer, a very focused, very stoic, very isolated, very fearful, very controlling person wanting to protect himself, faith changes the man. If you look at, look at verses 32 through 34, let's look at the transformation of faith. Number one, the jailer believes in the saving work of Christ. That's his second saving in this story. Secondly, he allows the message of the saving work of Christ to come into his household. Thirdly, he does what Jesus does. He washes the wounds of Paul and Silas. Fourthly, the jailer and his household are baptized. And what baptism means is that I now officially identify myself with a new leader in my life. The light has come in and has destroyed the darkness in my life and that controlling nature in my life. And lastly, he serves him a meal. And he rejoices greatly for believing the message. He just demonstrated what faith has done in his life. He rejoices because the light is now in my life. I was thinking of the closest kind of scenario where I could give you some idea emotionally how this works. My wife and I took our daughters to the Grand Canyon years ago, and we went for the Easter sunrise service. And I can only explain it is that there was hundreds of people out there at the Grand Canyon, all those pre-dawn hours before the sun rose. And when that sun rose, everybody's going, yes, yes, because it represented the light of Christ now shining in our lives. It was, it was a moment that I'll never forget, a very beautiful moment, rejoicing moment. I can only help think that this is the experience and the emotion that the jailer felt as he heard and believed and was baptized. Faith is the most powerful force on this earth. Nothing else. It is the most powerful force. There are millions of people that declare their love for Christ every day. 
and they believe that their faith is one that pleases God. That's a he- Hebrews 11:6. It's not our controlling nature. It's not our pride. It's not our egos. It's a faith that connects us with the God of the universe, our creator, who came down as a man, and he knows exactly how we feel. He knows your fears. He knows your anxiety. He knows that you like to take control of stuff. And he knows that you, you, you just worry about the craziest things. Turn it over to me, Jesus says. I'll take that fear away. That's our God. He knows how we feel. And remember that fear is the devil's weapon to sideline us, to tempt us, to accuse us, to make us afraid, to make us fearful, and to stay in our comfort zone. We don't want to step out because we're fearful. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of resurrection power, the love of Christ in a sound mind with Christ's wisdom. You're thinking, well, my fear is kind of weird. It's like no one will understand. I don't really want to share it to anybody. Any morbid, disgusting, irrational, unhealthy fears that you face can be controlled by the Spirit of God. By grace through faith we are saved. And with a life of hard stone walls, iron gates, chains, darkness, the jailer believes the message of Jesus and it changes him. 1 John 4, 8 says, love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. And maybe you're like the jailer. Maybe. Where your identity has been in the darkness. It's been in the control. You've locked up images in your mind and you're just doing so... just so hard to keep them at bay. And the only way to free yourself from the pain and the potential of someone really getting to know you is to do it supernaturally with God. Things not going right in your life? Out of control? Maybe you're fearful inside, trembling like the jailer, needing security, light, peace. Nothing seems to make sense. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. We need faith as our anchor. We need faith as our compass. We need faith as our true north. Faith is allowing God in when you have basically taken everything, all the stuff, all the fears, all the anxieties, whatever we're facing, out Hello, faith. By fear. Turning it over and letting God in. And there are stories after stories in this congregation that are so greatly appreciated. I'm glad that we have a pastor who pulls that out of us on the victories that we face every day. And the truth be known is that when Christ is in a person, 
He changes that person. There's transformation. We see it in this story. We see it in the personal testimonies of people in this church. John 20, 29 says, Blessed are those, this is Jesus speaking, Blessed are those that did not see me, did not see my wounds, but still believe. Faith demolishes fear. Faith dismantles fear. Faith masters fear. And it's a faith that moves people to trust in God for his unbelievable, unlimited, awesome love and saves them. Dr. Neil Anderson says, faith simply means making a choice to believe what God says is true. Faith means simply making a choice to believe what God says is true. It's not about, oh, I'm going to think harder about it. I know it says this, but I'm going to think really, 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 really hard, and I know it's going to come true. Nope. And it's not about, oh, I hope it's going to come true. No, not there. It's true. So you believe it. Big difference. Jesus says that he is the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you see what he's doing in the story? He has opened up the iron gates for all of us. Where we might have been behind closed gates, captive by the controlling nature, our fears that we face, but he's opened them up, miraculously provided a way for freedom for us. Is that a great message? Thank you. Praise the Lord. It's a great message. Christ becomes our strength. Christ becomes our peace. Christ becomes our hope. Christ becomes our victor over our anxiety, over our worries, over our fears, over the unknown. The jailer is saved. His household is saved. People are baptized, and they want Jesus to be their Savior. We are no different The only equation that makes sense in this world is us plus Jesus equals true meaning and well-being on this earth. That's the only equation that works. Let faith be your life. Let it it be your life. Hear, believe, be baptized. Let the love of Christ transform you. And all it takes is the question that the jailer asked. What must I do to be saved? I'm going to pray. And after the prayer, we're going to end this a little differently today. For however God works, we just want the Holy Spirit to, to work in a way that helps heal us. If you go back to your page and the thing that you wrote down about fear, if you want prayer about that, you want help and faith about that, just come over here. I'm not, we're not going to make this real formal. I'm not going to have you raise your hands or whatever. Just come over here. Some elders and some people will be over here to pray for you. Over on this side. If you're struggling with the fear, just let it out and let us just pray and cover you with prayer if that's what you need. If you don't want to do that, 
You can do it at home. But we're a church body and we're a family. And I'd like to think that we are okay being vulnerable and we're okay being transparent with one another. That's what makes us super strong in the bond and the love of Christ. Let Christ heal any wounds that you have today. Hear, believe, be baptized. Hello, faith. Goodbye, fear. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for your incredible, incredible word that we have to just meditate on. There's so much here, but if we really focus on the jailer and the things that he experienced, we're just like that in some way or another. We fear things when it's out of control. Lord, I, you know, there's this whole political thing that's coming up, Lord. We just, it's in your hands. I, I can't deal with it. There's all sorts of other things that I face that I just can't deal with. I, I trust in the Lord with all my heart and do not lean on my own understanding In all my ways, I want to acknowledge you and you will make our paths straight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for being our master over any fear, anything that we want to control. We give it to you and we know it's a process day by day. We just ask for wisdom and strength, power and love and a sound mind to get through. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live within us and to control us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.